Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. I'm Michael. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And tonight, I'm a seeker of emotional sobriety. How about that? I like that, yeah? I mean, that should be uh, our end game here for all of us is to have some kind of emotional well-being, well, uh, emotional wellness, and we call it emotional sobriety after the drink and the drink has been put down. So tonight, I'm going to try and talk about the bedevilments versus the promises. Uh, page 52 talks about the bedevilments, and then later, page 83 talks about the promises, and they line up quite nicely, the problem and then living in the solution. Where I'm at today in the big book, going through reading it for myself, is found on the last page of the BBA booklet. I just want to read this for consideration. A lot of times it gets forgotten, this last paragraph or so in the back of the BBA booklet. So I'm going to read it. As we're done with our transcription, we're, we're at the end of 103 and, and 104. Dan uh, writes here, continue to read and consider through 164, looking at your experience and for instructions. Continue to ask God for guidance in practicing these principles you've experienced in all your affairs. Walk with God. So going through the big book now, I'm, I'm constantly reading it and asking myself what it means to me, what the author's intent was, what the hundred that approved its intent was, what's the spirit of what I'm writing or reading. And sometimes new things just pop off the page in a way that I hadn't experienced them before. The book doesn't change, but it seems to change, right? The more we read it. So I'm going to start with the promise. And we were reading this earlier today. And this word came out as brand new for me. And it kind of uh, shifted things for me. The first, I think it's the first promise here is page 83 painstaking about this phase of our development, we're going to be amazed. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And the word that popped out for me here was new. Means a freedom that maybe I haven't experienced before and a happiness that I haven't experienced before. I never really read it as a new freedom and a new happiness. So that means even today, am I, am I getting a new freedom and a new happiness even today? Is this continuing to grow in my life? And it kind of stopped me, me. and I'm going to continue to pray and meditate on this because I hadn't seen it that way before. So I would say today, most of us in in this room in particular are experiencing new freedom and new happiness. But where did I come from? I came from being a slave to alcohol, slave to drugs, and then through the 12 steps, especially in my inventory process, I started to see that I was a slave to my own mind, to my own thinking, to my own ego, right? And that alcohol and the drugs, they calmed that voice down pretty quickly. And that's a lot of the reason why I drank and used was to to calm my own inner voice down, the shouting, screaming voice of my own ego. Can't stop thinking about me and my own problems long enough to be of real use to anybody, including myself. And a drink or a drug in me, one or two, pretty quickly calm that voice down. But then I would break out in the craving and I would drink and use more and more and more and have all those consequences. But I have this 
this spirit that's restless, irritable, and discontent, and this mind that entertains the idea, the obsessive thinking over and over again that a drink or a drug might just get me some relief and I end up doing it again and again and again. One of my friends pointed out this to me and I'm still working on this part too but I'll read it right now because it talks about me being addicted to my own thinking. Bill's story, page two, talks about the alloy of drink and speculation or the mix of, allo- of drink and speculation commences to forge a weapon that will one day turn in its flight like a boomerang and cut me to ribbons. So my boomerang turns out to be self-will, ego, and alcohol, and drugs in my case too. And the mix there turned me more and more into self-will and self-reliance over and over and over again throughout my life. So in the end, I put down the drink, I put down the drug, and I'm left with fear, self-will, and self-reliance, and ego, and no solution to that. My ego is screaming at me louder than it ever has before. I've got 80 days of sobriety, and I can't shut my mind off. I can't shut my mind off. I feel like I'm going to jump out of my own body. At that point, and this is my story, at that point, I actually had a nervous breakdown. I couldn't take it anymore. It was drink and die or go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, and that began my 12-step journey there. But I see now that I was so stuck in my own ego and stuck in my own head and my own addiction to self that I couldn't get out of it. And and after drugs and alcohol were no longer a solution, I was left with nothing. I certainly didn't have God. I didn't have any kind of resources for um, higher power. I'd been going to church and had no access and no relationship. I was was coming to this church (laughs) right down there on the lower campus. I would drink right before I'd come to church and then I'd cry in church sobbing because I had no hope in church. How desperate is that? How hopeless is that, you know? Church is not the problem. God is not the problem. We're in the same church today, and I'm happy, joyous, and free. (laughs) My ego and my spiritual malady, the unmanageability of my life run by me, is the problem. i got to get out of the business of playing God. Pages 60 to 62 talk a lot about how I play God in my life, how I write the scripts for people, how I demand that, the, that God's world look a certain way for me to be okay. If only this, if only that, if all of my players would just do what I want, everybody, especially me, would be happy, right? And it doesn't come off very well. And so I try harder or louder or meaner or I'll just disappear. I'll just get a whole new set of friends or a whole new family, right? Trade in the new one, get another one, right? Did that work? No. Because I brought me with me. I brought me with me. Who invited me? Like, I'm the problem and I took me with me. So, I just want to read the, uh, the promise and then I'll read, I'll, I'll read one promise and then I'm going to read the bedevilments and then I'll get to the, the next promises again. Third step. I'm broken and desperate and hopeless in my first step. Second step says, I might have a better way. You might, God might just restore me to some kind of life. 
And the third step is I'm going to try it. So here's some promises here, just trying the third step and trying to align myself with God's will and trying to be compliant and do what God wants me to do. When I sincerely take this position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. I have a new employer. Being all-powerful, he's going to provide what I need instead of me providing what I need and failing miserably over and over again. Established on this new footing, I am going to become less and less interested in myself. Isn't that my problem? I'm too interested in myself. A lot of times my ego was not too big, not too small. It was just too loud. It was just too loud. I couldn't hear God, God calling me or telling me what to do because my ego was too loud. But now I feel new power flow in. I am going to enjoy peace of mind. I discover I can face life successfully. I become less and less interested of my petty designs, and I skipped the spot there, but I can't read it, so. Um, I now become conscious of his presence, and I begin to lose my fear of today, tomorrow, or hereafter. I can be reborn. And today, it, it feels very much like I've been reborn. Another way of looking at it, too, is... I like the word awakening because it implies that there's something there to begin with that awakens. Like that God spark was in me the whole time. I just needed it to be awakened. And I like that way of looking at it. So I am reborn in this new life, but God awakened something inside me that he put in there when I was born. And now I'm alive and well in that. So being on my own power looks like page 52. And I'm going to read that. Was I having trouble with personal relationships? Yes. The closer you were to me, the more you hated me. Wife, kids, mother, father, co-workers, right? We love them, but we hate them, right? Anybody relate to some relationships like that? I definitely did. You know, and they were always the problem, too. And they continued to get worse, um, apparently. Um, couldn't control my emotional nature. This one was really um, hard for me to grasp the first couple of times because I had learned to get pretty good about my outward emotions. I could control the outward manifestations pretty good for a time. They would come out on my kids sideways or they would come out on customers sideways. But if I had to, I could control my outside emotions pretty effectively. Um, But then they would always come out sideways because I couldn't control where those, the place that those emotions were coming from. And I had no reasonable outlets for those frustrations in that place that my hearting hurt was. I was putting that into women, cash, prizes, success, and it was always fleeting and never fulfilling. I needed to be able to turn that to something that was really going to offer a lot of comfort, and that's God. <clears throat> couldn't make a living? Nah, couldn't. Couldn't make a living satisfy enough to be sober and happy. Feeling of uselessness? Full of fear? Yeah. Fear was like, in my case, it actually turned into clinical anxiety too. But like, I was always just like, it was always like something was right behind me, ready to just destroy my life. I'm going to get in a car wreck or the bank's going to bounce my checks or this or that, or I'm going to get a lawsuit. It always felt like something bad was going to happen everywhere I was going. Um, Misery and depression. Misery and depression chased my ass around everywhere, everywhere. Um, was unhappy, 
I have a hard time relating to that because I put on this facade, this mask of, ha, 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 I'm always funny, I'm always happy, but no, not on the inside. Useless, couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. And again, the closer you were to me, the worse that looked because I was trying to help you, but it looked like control and demand. Like, I, I had my kids kind of by a stranglehold, really. I mean, unfortunately, in my case, Physically, I had them in a stranglehold a couple of times because I was that crazy in my own household. But even without physical violence, I had control and demand all over my family. Nobody was happy. Everybody was uncomfortable. I was spreading it everywhere throughout my family, and I couldn't stop. With and without alcohol, I couldn't stop controlling and hurting my own family. So... Working the steps, and specifically in my fourth and fifth step, I see how I've been demanding of the world all of this inner fulfillment, and it, it's lacking, it's not fulfilling, it's fleeting, and so I get more, I try harder, or I think, you know, the, the wife and the kids aren't doing it, so maybe I need a new wife and new kids, or maybe I just need something on the side because, you know, I don't want to lose what I have here, but I'm not honest and brave enough to confront that, so I try and get something sneaky on the side and lie, cheat, and manipulate instead of confronting my problems head on. And then I'm wrapped by guilt and shame because of that, because I'm still human and I know what I'm doing. Um, so back to the promises. After the, the fourth and fifth step, I take it to God. I ask God to help me out with these problems, these human problems that I'm making worse and worse and worse. And then I go out into the world and try and make the amends. And the seventh step talks about having God empower us or God give us the power and the strength to go forward and do God's work. And, you know, the next thing is we write the list and we go out and make our amends. So I think God does the real heavy lifting in the amends process but I have to get willing and I have to do inventories and I have to show up. I still have to knock on the door. God doesn't knock on the doors normally. Normally I have to. And then I go out into the world and I start to repair some of the damage that I've done to God's world and God's kids. And I start to get unblocked from the people around me as well. And I feel more power flow into me. And then I can go and make a few more amends. Our, our ultimate goal, our end game, is to have all of our amends completed all... I think it's a better way to look at it as all of my known amends, because every time I go through inventory, I do find one or two that I just forgot. I, it wasn't that I was trying to avoid one. I just didn't see them in my inventory the way I see them the next time. So I'm a fellow who does repeat inventories about every year and a half, every two years, and I get a lot of insight, a lot of relief from that, and then I have more to take to step six and seven, and a few more amends. And after I make amends and I start to repair the damage I've done to God's world, then I get into this place where I can start to do the new freedom and the new happiness. I will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. So all of those things that I've done in the past that I would not do again today, if at all possible, I don't have to hide from those. I don't have to live in shame on those. I can own those and know that God has forgiven me. And actually, in my case, most of the people that I've gone back to do amends with have forgiven me too, and that's been just a blessing. It's, it's not always expected or anticipated that they actually forgive you. They don't have to. That's not part of the process. But thankfully, 
because my heart has changed and I actually have trying to go out into God's world and do better, most of them have forgiven me and we have either a neutral relationship today or a good relationship today, which was completely unexpected. I am going to comprehend the word serenity day, not all that wreckage and all that loud ego anymore and, and just discomfort or the fear. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, and I, I went down quite a ways, guys. Legally and emotionally and physically, I went pretty, down, pretty far down the drain. But I think all of us can relate to one thing, how far down the drain we've gone in our heart, how dark it gets in here. The outside world might just be a lot of drunken behavior and a lot of drunken consequences, but I think we can all relate to that space inside where I'm dark and I'm hopeless and I can't get out of it. And I don't have to be afraid of that or live in that place anymore. It creeps back in every once in a while. I'm not going to lie. I'm not completely immune to all of the things that I did in my past, but they don't define me today. What I've done is not who I am. And I don't think anybody here is their behaviors. I don't want to live there anymore, but I'm not. Who I am is not what I've done. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Sometimes I get to be helpful, just somebody I bump, to, bump into at a store. A smile, a human smile from one person to another transmits a lot of compassion, joy, and friendship, right? Or maybe a friend calls me and needs help. Or in meditation, somebody's main name comes up to me and I reach out to them and say hi. I send out a few text messages. Maybe one person gets back to me. Maybe they don't but at least I've gotten out of myself and I've tried to share what God has given to me today. I'm going to lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Again, I was driven by my own mind. I was driven by my self-seeking and my selfish needs or what I thought my needs were. They were really just wants. And today, they come across my radar. I see them, but I'm not driven by my wants today the way I used to be. To be. And I really do care about the people in my life. And, you know, I know most of you in here and a couple of new friends, I'd love to get to know you too, is if you're in my life, I care about you or you're not in my life. Like, that's how we roll now, you know? It's, it's one, of the, one of the safest places that I've found to be able to be a friend and be vulnerable. Fear of, that, fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. People... <laughs> are not going to leave me, and economic insecurity is not going to leave me, but my terror, my anxiety, and my fear of it is, is going to leave me, um, or at least it's no longer going to be my master. Fear used to be my master, and it, it no longer is. Today, I realize that God has always been doing for me what, the things I could not do for myself. You know, God is, in my experience, God is not going to do for me what I can do for myself. I've still got to get up in the morning, do my morning prayers and meditation, reach out to a few people in the program. I have to go to work and fulfill my commitments in life. I do that and God does the heavy lifting. God brings the grace. I was going to over-explain it, but I think that word fits perfectly. I do some of the basic human stuff. And God brings grace. I wouldn't be alive here at this podium and hanging out with you guys on Monday nights if God didn't supply grace on my life. 
And that's a beautiful thing, and I think it's available to all of us here. There's another promise here that we found because we were reading the book together and just asking ourselves what the rest of the book meant to us and what the rest of the sentences and paragraphs were. Page 152 has a really nice promise for me because I came to the Big Book Awakening kind of late in my recovery and I felt like I missed out on something or whatever. But the book says right here on page 152, release from care, boredom, and worry. My, my imagination today will be fired. Life will mean something at last, today even. The most satisfactory years of my existence lie ahead, not behind. The most satisfying years of my existence lie ahead. And I believe that's a promise for all of us that work the 12 steps and uh, <laughs> a lot of grace. That's it. Tom, alcoholic again. So grace, right? For a lot of my life, that story about the guy sowing the seeds, and some of it, you know, was weeds, and some of it was rocks, and some of it was fertile ground, right? And I completely missed the point, right? That the abundance, the abundance of the grace, right? There's more than enough for everybody. And grace is a beautiful thing because the more that you need, the more that you get. How cool is that, right? I think this is the only disease that you come out on the other end better than you started, right? If you do these steps, if you honestly do this work, you'll have a spiritual awakening. Bill Wilson does not mince words with that, right? Well, steps as having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, this course of action, right? We tried to carry this message to others, especially alcoholics. But uh, Mike, thanks for grace, cause and restless, irritable, and discontent, I believe, is our longing for God, and I believe the only place for me that I can find God is in that space between two thoughts. So it's important for me to be quiet. I have come to realize that I'm quiet by nature, right? I'm kind of, I'm solitary by nature too. And I think that's okay, you know? I've been reading this beautiful lady, Mary Oliver, and there's so much God in her that she, she sees cathedrals in little rocks, right? She won't pick a rock up out of the stream because it will disturb nature, right? It will disturb. It will just disturb. So, wow. To see God in rocks? To see God in ourselves? 500 years ago, they would have killed us for, for some of the things that we believe and say and that are true. Right? Do not put your salvation off to the afterlife. Right? Do not, please do not put your salvation off to the afterlife. You are in the kingdom now, so enjoy it. I think that's the, I think that's the joke, right? You were in the kingdom all along, <laughs> and you couldn't open your eyes 
Raise your head, please. Look to the sky. <laughs> Thank you. Janice Alcoholic. Um, that was really nice, very um, elegantly said. And I'm assuming it's about promises. Um, so after all these promises that we do, we can get to the real purpose. And the real purpose is to fit ourselves to the maximum service to God and the people about us, around us. Oh, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so, my experience. Um, I remember the first time that I, um, um, actually the second time I did the steps uh, thoroughly, the first time was not that thorough, um, with the, um, the Big Book Awakening process. And, um, and I had to fly to Northern California to do all my amends because that's where I'm from. And, um, and I was scared. Um, I waited to the very last day to do all of the amends that I had to do. But the thing was is that when I did do the first one, um, this power just came through me and um, I ran off and I did all of them really willingly. Um, but I, what I learned as I did the work the, sec the third time and the fourth time and, and doing my, my um, amends, because to me, um, you know, we have these, with my experience, you know, I have these little promises as I'm going through them. But when I get to the ninth step, that's kind of when they all kind of come together. And what I really learned is that when I do the amends and I get excited and I get this pink cloud, um, I don't feel like I'm in recovery anymore. You know, because I'm not being humble. You know, I'm in self at that point. And so my goal to be service and to experience the promises is, is to be in that neutrality part of the program. You know, that I don't get excited and I don't get, you know, um, too depressed. I tend to lean more towards the depression side and I'm coming out of that. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a process, you know, it's a process. Every time I go through the step, there's always a theme and, um, and I get to grow from that theme 
and I get to re-examine my life and I get to, you know, experience new promises uh, and hope to go forward. Um, and one thing I really like about, about the work is um, I can't really get to go into that remorse of what, you know, of who I am, of, of seeing my ego and exposing my ego out, you know, when I do the, the fourth, fourth step, when I, I tell my story, you know, and I get to look at that story and I get to ask to anything else I need to add to this story, um, you know, because my hope and the promises is that I will know have I will have a new freedom, you know. And to me, that new freedom is is that I get to have a new perspective of that story, you know, of that person that I'm resentful at or I was resentful at, or that per that place or thing that you know I don't like, you know. I get to have a new story on that, and. My experience is that new story has always been, I get to be in neutrality about it. That, that when that word, that person, that name, that, you know, place, thing comes up in my head, there's no association with it anymore. It's just a neutrality on it. Um, I love this process. It's, it's the best thing um, that's ever happened to me in my life. And, um, and I get to experience that power within me. And it's the most wonderful thing on the earth. Thank you for letting me share. Right, thank you. Chad alcoholic. Hi, Chad. I have my big book on my phone here. There's a part that I had to look up. But, um, yeah, that um, we're going to know a new happiness and a new freedom. <clears throat> um, I like that Mike Heiss said it's something that we've never experienced before. Um, and that really cued me into another part of the book uh, towards the beginning. But I just wanted to hit on, you know, where that comes from. <clears throat> because I think a lot of times we come to the program and we hear people just refer to it as their promises, you know. And they start feeling these things when they stop drinking, you know, like, like, you know, the lack of financial insecurity and, you know, happiness and freedom. All of, the, all of a sudden life is great, right? They're not drinking. Their, their wife is happy. Things get good. And, you know, they, they just kind of chill, you know, show up to meetings. But I think it's extremely important that we reinforce the fact that these are the ninth step promises. And it talks about if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, which is the ninth step, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through, you know, then comes those promises. These are the ninth step promises, not the, you know, step zero promises. Um, <clears throat> but where that, where that, what that really cued me into was page um, 42 and 43. Um, you know, we're still in the first step at this part. Um, and it says, quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. I've since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying 
and I hope more useful than the life I've lived before. And geez, that's part of the promises right there that we see in the ninth step. My old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. I would not go back to it even if I could. And you know, when I read that, being in the first step, I doubted that statement. I wouldn't go back to it even if I could. I mean, if I could drink like a normal person, I wouldn't go back to it. I, I don't know, I, I can't really agree with that statement. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you're still in that way of thinking. You know, like, I'm not gonna get burnt this time and this is how, right? I can't seem to recall all the death and destruction of a week or even a month ago, right? I only remember the good times, right? And that's the thinking I have when I go to pick up that drink. That's the insanity, the mental obsession. That's how I get to that first drink. I keep thinking it's gonna be different this time. I only remember the good times, the fun, all that stuff, which is long gone, right? Years before, years before I got to even, you know, um, the point where I was placed beyond human aid. Um, but, um, you know, that's in the first step. You know, that idea that I am like other people or presently may be had to be smashed. And it wasn't smashed yet. You know what I mean? I still had that idea that maybe someday, somehow, I could control and enjoy my drinking. Um, so that thought, when I saw I would not go back to it even if I could. I doubted that statement because I still had that thinking. I still had that reservation, that idea that, that man, relive those glory days, right? But <clears throat> when I do get to the ninth step, you know, and I start actually living and experiencing those promises for real and that new happiness and a new, well, I'm blanking right now, a new happiness and a new freedom, like that, like the happiness and freedom that I never had before, that it talks about in the beginning of that paragraph, then I begin to understand I would not go back to it even if I could. Because before, I was nowhere near as happy, you know? I mean, this is not about drinking, you know what I mean? And, and the actual immediate consequences of me getting drunk, right? This is a me problem, this is a Chad problem, you know? This isn't just a drinking problem. You know, once I get, once I've gotten, gotten halfway through that phase of my development and I start experiencing those promises for real, I start recovering as a person, you know, um, getting out of that insanity and experiencing a new way of living, you know, um, I, I then understand what that statement means, that I would not go back to it even if I could. And right now I would never go back to it. I would not rewind and do it over because I think I can do it better and not get caught or not get in trouble or on and on and on and on, right? Like, I am so happy being here right now. You know what I mean? Like, I would never take that opportunity to go back and try and redo it. So, thanks, Mike. Right, My name is Oliver and I'm an alcoholic. Me, Miguelito, I needed to acknowledge you, man. That was amazing. But you know why it was amazing? Because it was straight from the heart. And those shares are the ones that absolutely broke my world because you define who I am. That craziness, that fear, that hating everybody that loves me, that all of that. That's what I do, man. That's what Oliver knows how to do under his own power. And I did that for a long, long time. You know, and I was thinking about what you said, a new freedom and a new happiness. I mean, it's going to be new. It's going to be foreign. And you're absolutely right because it's very different than the happiness that I had before. And having said that, you know, <clears throat> the problem that I had all my life is that I lived in page 52 in the bedevilments. That was me. That was me always. 
until I had the first drink. Then all the promises came about. That was my, pro my problem. You see, for me, alcohol and drugs did wonderful things. I will never tell you that, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think that I was born again, I will drink again. Just because when I was back there, that's the only thing that I had. <clears throat> because I felt like you just explained to all of us, the spiritual malady is something that I was born with. And the only thing that let me cope with that was drugs and alcohol. And then it was money, and then it was wives, and then it was kids, and then it was fishing poles, and then it was shotguns, and then... You see, everything that get, got me away from Malavar then. So then I come here to AA and I start doing this BBA thing, and what Chad said is that I had to know to my innermost self that I was different from a regular guy. It doesn't matter how much I think, how much I work, how much I try, how much I... I would never be anything other than a duck. I will always quack. Even if I want to be an eagle and I go and train and do and do, like I did all my life. I went 47 years of my life trying to be an eagle, man, all my life. And I was quacking the way through, but I thought that one day I was going to be an, an eagle. But that, that's just who I was. So today, the, the promises that I have, I have experienced, and, and I agree with Chad, man. I mean, the nine-step promises, I mean, they're mistaken in, in, in AA because they read it all the time. and They think that's just what you get because you stop drinking, and, 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 and that's not true. There's a lot of work, man, and there's a lot of humility, and there's a lot of pain, and there's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of that. Many times over before I felt that. You know me, man. I mean, you said clinical uh, anxiety, fuck. I mean, I lived there. I lived in depression. I lived angry. I, lived, I mean, fear was with me every day of my life. So today, the new freedom, the new happiness, what I feel today, what I, what I understand is, is joy. And you summarize everything by the word grace. That's something new. You see, and I get goosebumps. Because I can't explain that. It's just the fact in my life when I allow it to happen. Right? I'm reading a wonderful book, man. Anybody that's, that wants to know how the mind works, it's called, um, it's by Michael Singer, it's in Tethered Soul. And this man talks about the way that we think and how thoughts are the worst thing that we can have. Right? I mean, normal guys, everybody in the world. I mean, the, the, the mind is a wonderful instrument if we use it correctly, but if we don't, we destroy ourselves. And that's me. I mean, it, it just explains me. At the end, he explains God so beautifully, man. He says, the love of God is like the sun. It's always there. And it shines on everybody. So it doesn't matter if you believe in the sun or not. The sun is a constant, and it's always there, and that's what grace is to in my life. These are good, these are bad, but for the first time in my life, you know, I mean, the, the word God, that's something that it's there. It's a rock, it's there, it's always there. I'm going crazy, I close my eyes, and I can access that grace, and that's, that's, that's very powerful for me, because I was never able to do that. You see, I, I wanted to relax and I just reached for a pill and I accessed that grace. I did. Right now I can close my eyes and access the same grace. Sober, man. So that's, that's the gift of God. And that's the spiritual part of the program that without it, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So thank you for your honesty, man. You, I love you. Thank you. Well, it's my turn. I am there, and I am an alcoholic. Hey. And um, 
Michael, thank you very much. I mean, Oliver just said, uh, thank you for your honesty. You know, <clears throat> when you speak from the heart, you know, my God, he, 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 the whole room can feel it. You know, the emotion that you put and, and, you, and your feelings, the way you feel now, the way you live now, is a blessing in the sky for me, man. It's, uh, it's a, uh, the new way of, of, of the way we live now. It's, uh, it's like, uh, I want the whole world to embrace this, you know, and uh, I am so uh, blessed, you know, that I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying because, you know, I like to talk about my, my daily days, the way I live every day. You know, I like to, to what the program says, just you have 24 hours, and otherwise you go crazy. You know, and uh, <clears throat> look, I'm sound sick, okay, but I'm not sick. Okay, I thought I was sick Friday. I started sneezing and sneezing and sneezing and sneezing and sneezing, and I had these allergies, you know. So at work, you know, I'm starting, you know, separated from everybody because I said, my, my God, I'm really sick. I'm going to get sick. You know, and Saturday I got sick again, you know, and I started a little coughing and I started, you know, like sneezing again. And my wife was supposed to go to work and she said, look, I'm not going to work. Man, you, you're sick. You probably have COVID. <laughs> you know, and I said to myself, probably I have COVID, you know. <laughs> but guess what? I am not panicking. I'm not afraid, literally not afraid. I'm, I worry more about what the, the other people, you know, close to me getting sick than me getting sick because I have faith now. You know, I know you cannot fight the uh, guy's will, you know. Uh, you're talking about, you know, doing, you know, you start your meditation, your prayers, and you bring, the, and God bring the grace. My God, what a word. What a word that, that, that God brings to, to us, grace. It's just like saying love all around you, man. I love you no matter where you come from, how, how bad you were, how you bad you still is, and how, the, how much difference you have, I still love you just the way you are, you know? And, uh, you know, you were talking about the fears. You were talking about, you know, that nobody, uh, the, the, the closest that somebody gets to you, the most they hate you, the most they despise you, you know. That's what I got, you know, before I came to this room, I was isolated, you know. I, I didn't want nobody close to me, you know. I want to be alone, just me and my battle, my battle and myself. Because I know, you know, deep in my heart that nobody wants me. Nobody wants, you know, this piece of shit, drunk, smell, alcohol, alcoholic that is hiding from everybody, you know. And uh, let me tell you, believing in God in that time, it was not for me. It was just not for me. You know, and when I hear these words, you know, that God is with you and he's going to bring you grace, all you have to do is just little things, you know, like pray in the morning, and you do meditations, comes to your meeting, help other people that, you know, give a little bit of what they give you. My God, you know, it is a nice way of living. This awakening, like you were mentioning, God bless America, let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. 
Hello, I'm Luis. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for that share, man. Um, Michael was my sponsor for four years, uh, and he's my brother today. And uh, I just want to share this part from the book, page 13. My friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Man, I came in here so broken, filled with problems. You know, I was filled, as we read earlier, with guilt, shame, and remorse. I didn't even have a voice anymore. When the first time I shared, I just, I was crying and I was stuttering. I mean, I was just choking up. Belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Um, so I got here November 25th. My sobriety date is November 22nd, 2014. And, um, you know, I immediate, Michael invited me to do the, the workshop. We started, I think, on the 3rd of January, 2015. Um, it's, it's been hard, a hard journey, you know, but at the same time, I can say that I was on fire pretty quick for the things that were happening that God was even though in the beginning I still was resistant, I mean, I had been running away from him all my life. And so I was really scared about the whole God thing, about this program. But I really wanted what he had and what the rest of the group had. So I stayed and I kept coming back for the love of my son and I eventually I would stay for myself. And um, someone recently, it's been a busy week, things at home, my mom's been in and out of the hospital. Um, one of Someone that the church recommended, uh, referred me to, checked in on Friday to a rehab, which was really good. They found somewhere. And, um, and then the next day, someone who was there at the last, my last drunk, drunk, you know, my last Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, this person reached out to me at 10, 15 or so. They were crying. They said, I'm lost and I need your help. And immediately I said, whatever, what do you need? How can I help? And, um, you know, they're in trouble. I'm praying, I'm listening, and they're like, just guide me home. I have no idea where they are. I don't even know where they live anymore. You know, um, it's been a while. Uh, and, and I'm like, just drop a pin and I'll come to you. Just pull over to somewhere safe and I will come to you. They're like, I don't know how to do that. And I don't know where I'm at. And I said, well, I'll stay on the phone with you and just find a safe place. And we're talking and we're talking. And, uh, and they start to apologize to me for a few years ago. They, you know, the last thing they said was F you when they hung up on me. <laughs> But, you know, God is so graceful that uh, this person, I got to see them on, on my son's birthday. Uh, I got to spend time with them for the first time in four years. And I say that because my son's born on the 20th. And the number 20 shows up in the Bible, and it, it's God's number. And, um, you know, it's like right when I was sitting back there, I was like reflecting on it. Like that that relationship, that restoration, you know, like it came, 
we were able to break bread together on the 20th of December. And how would I know that they were going to reach out to me uh, on Saturday? And they said, I've watched this whole time what, what you, what's, how much you've changed, how much God has changed you. And I'm so proud of you. You know, and um, I was just grateful that I was their call, right? Like, not too long ago, they were hanging up on me saying, F you, not too long ago, nobody would trust me, right? Nobody would look to me towards help, because I was looking towards everyone else for help, you know? And I, and I got here beyond human aid. It made, as going through this book, it made it really clear, like, I remember when I hit bottom and I was hopeless, I actually reached out to God. I didn't reach out to my family. I didn't, because I was, again, overwhelmed with all this guilt and shame from what the way I had shown up at, at that wedding. And, um, you know, the hardest part, uh, just wrap it up, is, is to let our loved ones go and to start building these boundaries, right? Because once we recognize that we can't save them, best thing we can do is start praying for them and at the same time if because the book says su suddenly the whole family is neurotic and crazy because we're a storm if you have one of us in your family we are a tornado and you are caught up in it and i, I pray that you know uh, and, and as we transform now it's on us to to recognize we may actually have other tornadoes in our house or in our family you know and so I'm just very grateful for tonight, for everyone that's here, and thank you. Octavio Alcoholic. Yeah, I'm also grateful to be here, grateful to be at service, you know, with my family and things that I couldn't do if I wasn't sober, you know, so just running around with my father today, went grocery shopping, excited, was riding a little scooter inside Sam's Club and different stores, he wanted to go to Home Depot, so takes a little bit of time, right, to get off and grab the scooter, riding myself to the vehicle, help him in. And then I had to be grateful too, you know, that I still have him around and just being at service, you know, it's not just hearing AA, my career, with my family, and just, if it wasn't for this program, you know, I wasn't able to do that and be patient with him because in the beginning when I started helping him, I was losing it. And um, so I found balance now and you know, he's, he's just a great person, man. Like, I know at first when I came to this program, all I did was talk about all the trauma and stuff he put us through, you know, because I know he he was very abusive to, towards my mother and he chased her around before with a gun. And I remember being young and the cops going there and tackling my dad in the, the living room, you know. But as time goes, you know, I see that it wasn't him, it's the disease, you know? And, and we heard tornado, I think you mentioned it, right? My sister was that tornado, tornado yesterday. I don't know, she could barely walk and somehow she drove to my dad's house. Good thing we had a camera with the ringer that I was able to see that. Called my son, woke him up like at midnight. I said, hey, go open the door. Uh, door's about to drive again, she's taking off. They got her before she took off. Who knows what would've happened, right? If not her, somebody else would've got hurt. And then my son is telling me, I'm like sick and tired of my Dia doing this, and, and this is at my dad's house. I live over here, my dad lives in Spring Valley. And I say, Angel, you know what, this disease goes in the whole family. Just how you're, how Dia is, that's who I was. He goes, I don't remember you being like that, I'm out. you were young. 
I said, but I was that person. And I said, let me ask you, I know you're still grieving your mom since she passed, right, my ex? And I said, let me ask you when you made those holes in the garage, when you punched like 10 punches on the garage, and it's still, the drywall still has all these punches, right? Let me ask you this question, be honest with me, were you drunk? I don't want to talk about it. I said, I want to take that as a yes. So this disease goes so far away, man. And I ended the conversation like that. So thank you. All right, everybody. So we were on the phone for 26 minutes, right? And next thing I know, this person says, I'm at my block now. And they pulled into their garage and they sent me a picture. They thought they were somewhere in Sorrento and the whole time they were just in their neighborhood. You know? So, grace of God, man. How many of us have not, you know, gotten home and not known how we got home? Yeah. Hey, I'm Adam, an alcoholic, Hi, drug addict. Thank you, Michael. God, I can always uh, relate to the bedevilments, man. Um, you know, I was thinking when you're sharing, I mean, it's, I mean, we've, we've been through this so many times, but everybody has bedevilments. That's just being human right? Um, and the book is telling me that the answer to that is God. And coming in here, you know, that's the last thing I want, man. I, there's just no way that that's the answer. There's no way. Um, and for years, there was no way that my problem was alcohol and drugs. There was no way, you know. Um, but it's, it's true. <laughs> It's true, and, uh, and yeah, there is a spiritual solution to every problem. That's a fact. I mean, um, I just have to be willing. Um, God does the work, but I have to cooperate. So many times I'm uh, prejudiced, I'm resentful, I'm just defiant, um, or I think I know better, um, or I want it my way, just the, the selfishness that's um, a big part of this disease. And, um, you know, I was always the last one to know um, that I was an alcoholic. And, and when, I, when I came here, I didn't even want to be here. <laughs> um, you know, everybody, you know, the, my, my uh, ex-wife, uh, the courts, the whatever, the, cops you know it was always somebody else it was never I could never see that it was me um, I mean I you know I functioned I I, I I not very well I got by you know I got by my family was a, a mess um, destroyed um, I'm talking about my sons and my ex-wife and also my you know my brothers and sister and parents you know they were the wreckage that's caused by this disease. Um, I'm so blessed today that, uh, well, first of all, I'm the only one in the family who's a um, addict, alcoholic. Uh, what a blessing that is, you know, because I, I get to see an example of, you know, living without that. You know, I get to see that in my own family. I mean, I get to see it here too with all you guys, but, uh, um, you know, so many people come in here and struggle. They all they know is alcoholism. That's just what, how they grew up. You know, um, 
I wasn't going to share. I'm just I'm really tired. I feel like I'm rambling now. I didn't get much sleep. <laughs> I hate the time change, man. It's uh, it always messes with me. But man, this this program works. Uh, the answer is God and the steps. A new freedom is. Um, I'll tell you why it's new, because every time I go through this work, it is, it's like there's, there's a new, there's something new. There's something that, uh, that I didn't see coming, that I, um, yeah, the reason I don't write inventory is because either I already did it, and I don't think I should have to do it again, or I think I already know what it's going to say, and it's, I'm never right about that about those two things. I'm never, I, it's always new and it's always, um, something gets removed, something gets revealed and removed and I'm more free than I was before. So it, it is, it's, it's always, um, it's always growing. I can always grow beyond where I am. And it's not, you know, it's not about the alcohol anymore. I mean, of course it is. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why I'm here. But, um, you know, being recovered, um, it's not a problem. The alcohol and drugs is not, that's not a problem for me today. I, I'm not fighting it. I'm not avoiding it. Um, I can be around it if I have a good reason for it. I'm not um, getting tempted or getting uh, triggered or any of that. The problem is gone. And that's, that's, a, that's a miracle. So that's all. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Okay, again, my name is David, and I am an alcoholic. And I definitely forgot to tell you that I went to have the COVID test. Um, and it was definitely, it was definitely, you know, it was negative. <laughs> In case you wonder, what the hell this guy is, maybe he had COVID over here. You know, again, um, and this is all the time we have for sharing. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.